when you choose to lean in and move forward, not only do you put more skills, you know, on your resume and more tools on your tool belt, but there's this like mental unlock in your brain that, you know, you're like, okay, I just took my pulse. I'm still alive. Like my wife still loves me. My kids still think I'm a badass. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And it unlocks this newfound confidence. And so I found a way to kind of like rewire my brain in the moments of fear of going, all right, instead of this being a moment of like where people oftentimes shrink, I kind of look at it as this is a call to adventure. And I know I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to find something out about myself. And I want to find ways to, you know, continuously optimize and hack and grow. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. And when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, It's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Today, I have a special treat. I get to interview one of my friends, uh, business partners, Matt Aitchinson. This episode is is really, I wouldn't say just important, but impactful because of some of the things that I get to ask some questions of Matt that you probably normally wouldn't have come up in a normal conversation. And what I want you to listen for is one of those defining moments of his life or getting kicked out of school, getting arrested, and having to call up his dad when he was 17 years old, and how that metamorphosed his life. It came to that why in the road, go left or go right. How that changed everything about his life moving forward. Super, super important advice, how he has then been able to rewire and reset his mindset. This episode is is very important, very exciting to me. Although this is a contrarian investing podcast, he gives some real, real life advice. And so with that, let's dive into the episode with Matt Aitchinson. Welcome, Matty, brother, how are you? It is so I mean, actually, I've been thinking about this since launching the Catching Knives podcast show. I was like, man, I am so excited to talk to you. One, because of the relationship that we have together and and just hanging out. Every time I hang out with you, I feel energized and I feel like I can go leap tall buildings 
and uh, jump over speeding trains or whatever those, those, those sayings are. So welcome to the show. As always, brother, you know, it's, uh, I mean, we, I think, literally talk and text probably a hundred times a day, but when we get the opportunity to really like, cause we're in the hustle and bustle of all the stuff that we're doing, when we get the opportunity to like kind of silence that noise and have the, the deep and meaningful conversations, which I'm sure we're going to have today, it is always very, very recharging and inspiring. So I'm uh, excited to be on the show, man. Awesome. So before I jump into your bio and what a badass, you know, investor, six figure, you know, flipper and many other things that you do, hotelier, I wanted to take it back and kind of get real. And I wanted you to kind of think about this and, and even if you need to pause for a second, but tell me a moment when you were the most scared as an investor. And then if you, if you have, you know, like, what did you do to get through that? Because I feel like so many people right now in the world in today's age is there's a lot of fear unknown happening. And how does somebody like you and what it was that? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think really there's been many things that come to mind because I think as entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, we can all say a, a common denominator that probably all of us share is this desire to grow and expand and to you know, conquer new challenges. And I've done that at many stages and seasons of my life. And I will continue to do that moving forward. And in the arena of kind of my entrepreneurial journey, there was really two that kind of come to mind. One was uh, realizing I was way in over my head on uh, what I thought was a flip really kind of turned into uh, a development in terms of what the city forced me to do. And, you know, long story short on that one was I ended up losing $200,000 on that one. One of the only of the hundreds of flips that I've done, one of the only projects that uh, not only did I lose a little bit of money, but I lost a lot of money and um, have never lost any of my investors money. But, um, you know, that was a big hit you know, to, uh, to my ego, that was a big hit to my bank account. Um, but man, was it one of the best learning lessons that really kind of set me up moving forward in many different, uh, capacities and contexts of my investing career that, you know, allowed me to take those kind of painful learning lessons and get an ROI on them. But if there's probably one that, you know, to me, uh, would get spotlighted as, you know, where I was most fearful, it was, you know, the first two weeks of, uh, March 2020, right? When this uh, this crazy pandemic was kind of breaking out. And I think everybody, you know, felt a lot of fear of the unknown. And for me, I've worked on really rewiring my brain over the years. I mean, I've been expelled from high school. I've experienced sudden death and loss in my family. Um, I have, you know, had financial hardships and just a lot of experiences that I think as human beings, we all feel fear in some capacity. And it's one of those things where I started, you know, I've been doing personal development since I was like, my mom dragged me to my first investing, real estate investing kind of personal development conference when I was like 13 years old. And so I've been in personal development for, you know, I'm 33. So for quite a long time, and it was maybe eight or nine years ago that I really started to like lean into wanting to reprogram my mindset around fear. And instead of that being the kind of ceiling that most people hit and then they cool back down, it was like, how do I use this, this ceiling that I'm feeling emotionally right now 
to actually find a way to optimize my mind and my, my rhythm and my habits to make that actually a new floor for myself that just kind of becomes a norm. And so, you know, I'm a big believer in really, you, you know, fight or flight, or it's lean in or lay down. And, you know, in those moments of fear and challenge and hardship, when you lean in, those are the moments that really, you know, make you and define you and, and allow you to 2.0 yourself and, and optimize yourself. And when March 2020 rolled around, it was one of those, you know, lean in or lay down moments, right? And for me, when, you know, I really started digging in, the way I've looked at fear is like, it really creates this moment to moment awareness, if you choose to, right, lean in. And it wasn't a put your head in the sand kind of moment. It was like, you got to get in and get both hands on the steering wheel and make sure that you're doing whatever you got to do to keep this ship moving in the right destination, you know, in the right direction. And so at that moment, right, it was, I've got my real estate investment portfolio of single families and uh, some commercial strip centers. And at that time, I just had one hotel. Um, And as you can imagine, right, of the pandemic and going, okay, well, you know, tenants were starting to not pay or, you know, wanted deferment. Uh, Hotel guests were like, we don't want to travel right now. This is crazy. What's going on? And so looking at all of this real estate that I have and wondering if, uh, you know, the world is crumbling and all of this is going to go to zero and I'm going to be living in a van down by the river, you know, in a couple months. Right. And, you know, in hindsight, right, it's always the clearest vision. That was one of the best things, honestly, that ever happened to me. And honestly, when I look at all of the challenging and trying times in my life, whether it's personal or professional those have been the defining moments that have allowed me based on choices, obviously, that you decide to make um, in those times, how I've, you know, elevated my character, how I've put more tools on my tool belt, how I've sharpened my acts mentally, physically, spiritually, how I've, you know, enhanced my relationships and my network. And it's, not been the times that I cash the six figure checks, right? Or that you get an acknowledgement or an award or that, you know, you uh, see people giving you love on social media. It's been those moments where I've literally been like, what the hell am I going to do? What, what is going to be the result of, of this moment? And, you know, when I got expelled from high school um, and arrested, I remember I made that one phone call to my dad and uh, he said, you know, these are the moments that define what path and trajectory you're going to find yourself on after what decision you make. And it's completely up to you. And, you know, nobody's past equals their future if you choose for it not to. And I always look at that every time I kind of hit a little bit of a roadblock or you get in a sticking point of, all right, this is just one of those moments that God is testing me to see how bad I want to keep moving in the direction I say I want to keep moving in my life. And I know that as I know you can relate to, and I'm sure many of the listeners can relate to, if you've got big goals and big dreams, it's not going to be the last challenge or hardship that you experience in your life. Like nobody is a hundred percent guaranteed that they're not going to experience challenges. If anything, it's the hundred percent guarantee that you will. Um, So I would just rather, you know, my life and the challenges that I experience to be something that are so big and so inspiring and so impactful as I chase those goals and dreams to be what forced me to go and problem solve my way out of those 
uh, moments as I chase those, you know, big goals and dreams. And that's what 2020 did. And, um, you know, it, it ended up, obviously, if you're, you know, in real estate and you've been in real estate for, you know, the last uh, couple of years post pandemic, you've obviously, you know, probably done pretty well. And, um, you know, looking back, I know that, uh, not only did it help my, my bank account, my balance sheet, but if anything, it, it gave me a newfound level of confidence. You know, uh, when you go through those moments of fear, whether it's learning how to ride a bike the first time, or it's, you know, skydiving, or it's, you know, having a tough conversation with somebody that you're scared to talk, you know, through a challenging opportunity with, when you choose to lean in and move forward, not only do you put more skills, you know, on your resume and more tools on your tool belt, but there's this like, mental unlock in your brain that, you know, you're like, okay, I just took my pulse. I'm still alive. Like my wife still loves me. My kids still think I'm a badass. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And it unlocks this newfound confidence. And so I found a way to kind of like rewire my brain in the moments of fear of going, all right, instead of this being a moment of like where people oftentimes shrink, I kind of look at it as this is a call to adventure. And I know I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to find something out about myself. And I want to find ways to, you know, continuously optimize and hack and grow. Um, and like I said, right, using those moments of like, okay, I'm hitting a ceiling here. How do I break through this and, and make it my new floor to where it's just, I do what I do. I keep moving forward. I keep finding ways to learn and grow. And, you know, just like you, I'm a student of life. I'm always looking for my next teacher. And uh, let's just say March of 2020 taught me a lot moving forward. Man, there's so many, so many good nuggets in there that, um, I feel like, you know, that, that just, you know, this could take this way so many other directions that we could talk on for, for hours and hours. I wanted to highlight a couple of them, you know, calling your dad after you got in trouble in high school and arrested. How much has that been, um, a foundational principle of, of what you do today? Honestly, you know, when I, when I look back on that moment, it was probably the defining moment of my life. Cause a lot of the people that I was, you know, surrounding myself with and spending time with and what I was doing and participating in, and also just how that was shaping and forming my life. You know, we've all heard you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. And, you know, when I was hanging around five people that were smoking weed and drinking and fighting and not doing very productive things. Well, guess who became the sixth? And when I started surrounding myself with people that were productive and positive and making an impact and challenging themselves and challenging each other and, you know, working on goals and dreams and wealth. And I started to adopt those same, you know, habits and rhythms and, you know, mindsets as well. And so that moment, I saw that kind of fork in the road, right? That why of like left or right. And which one am I going to go down? And I knew what I wanted for myself. I had always had big goals and big dreams and I want to be a millionaire and I want to have, you know, this awesome, sexy, amazing lifestyle. And that conversation with my dad, thank God, you know, I know a lot of people don't have those types of leaders in their life. They don't have those types of people speaking wisdom into their life, supporting them in their life. And, you know, he was a, a, a mental safety net for me in that moment where I was beating myself up. I felt like a shitty human being. You know, I wasn't proud of who I was because I was misaligned with deep down inside what my core values were. And that's why I'm a big believer in core values and you know, that being kind of the foundation and fabric of everything I do. It's, you know, how I help 
make myself choose what decisions I do and don't do, who I surround myself with, what business opportunities I get into, you know, what lifestyle choices I make. It often all comes back to my core values. And at that time, I didn't really know and have real clarity in what my core values were. I just knew I was a good person. I knew I made a mistake. Um, I knew I didn't want to be that person. And so I chose to go down a different path. And that consisted of, you know, a lot of hard work, right? I was, you know, uh, a three-sport athlete. I was, um, you know, 4.0 students. I was used to spending time with my friends and being, you know, the, it was my first week of my senior year. And I had my whole senior year taken away from me. I lost out on, you know, uh, sports opportunities and memories and experiences, but those were also the moments of like going through kind of that mental and physical hell at that time as a 17 year old, right. Of all the things that you expect your senior year and what you want, those were the moments that, you know, I look back and go, that built a level of character and a level of grit and a level of grind and hustle that I have carried through every aspect of my professional and personal life to the point that you see me at today as a 33-year-old. I think that's so, so powerful. And I don't think that, you know, most people, when you, you ask them, they don't think their life is that you know, uh, defining or important or any of those things. But the reality is, is that we have a lot of those stories in our lives. And, um, sometimes it takes a little bit of, um, introspective work, but I believe everyone has different defining moments of their life that has, has set that, that programming and, and move them forward. You have then been able to unpack some of that and then taking some of these, you know, uh, defining moments and, and taking the path maybe less traveled and in different direction. So maybe let's, let's, you know, dive into your bio. Like what is it that you're doing today and how did you get that start? Like, you know, I, I know that you're a real estate investor and, you know, you do these developments and hotels and those other things like that, but how did you get there and where was that first start? And, and then take us up to that path that was less, less traveled. And how did you go about that? Yeah. It's funny, you and I have had this conversation, you know, you would have asked me five years ago if I'd, you know, been investing and, and building hotels and, you know, doing some of the stuff that I'm doing today. And I would tell you, you're crazy, you know, like no freaking way. And so that's the beauty of, you know, this crazy ass journey called life that we're all on is like, you know, if, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you don't need to be the, the Facebooks and the Amazons and the lightning in a bottles to unlock an amazing and beautiful life for yourself. And, and oftentimes the, it's the Facebooks and the Amazons, you know, type of stories that are an accumulation of all those little tiny steps. And a lot of, you know, small things add up to big things over time. And so I have just committed to the process of building stamina in life and knowing that, you know, it's going to consist of a lot of peaks and valleys and, you know, backing up into when I was finishing up um, in college, I was working for an entrepreneur in Santa Barbara, where I went to UCSB and um, I was working downtown full-time for this guy. And that was something that kind of kept me out of trouble. Um, but he was my first real exposure to like entrepreneurship. And, you know, he had a kind of an insurance company and a book of business. And I worked off, you know, starting off as a, as a cold caller for him. And then um, I worked up to being kind of an account manager for him. And then I kind of worked up to being his executive assistant and somebody that he wanted me to, you know, take over his book of business and, you know, kind of be uh, his, his path to retirement and still generating some passive income. And I knew that I didn't want to do that. And so I moved back to Sacramento and, you know, I was interviewing with this 
really expensive piece of paper from UC Santa Barbara for like $30,000 a year jobs. And I was like, dude, this is, this is not going to get me to where I want to go. So I remember one day, you know, <laughs> I moved back in with my mom and uh, jobless, you know, trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. And I came across a freaking Craigslist ad, you know, mentor seeks mentee, make $10,000 a month in real estate. That ultimately, and this was back in 2010 when foreclosures were everywhere, right? You could sneeze and come across an opportunity and make 50 grand flipping it. And I ended up work finding a guy that I worked for for free for a year to flip houses. And I was project managing for him. And I was essentially got to a place where I was doing everything from soup to nuts of acquisition to optimization to resale. And I was like, man, like I can do all this. Like this dude was literally clipping like 50, 75 grand every house. And he didn't pay me a dime. And I got into a place where I actually started to see a little bit more of the back end and some of the things that he was doing and really learned that he was pretty shady. And therefore I felt misaligned with this individual. And I was like, I can do this, but I don't have any damn money. Like I'm still living at home. You know, I got credit card debt. Uh, I've never bought a house, right? Like I don't have the ability to go out and do this unless I can go and find some money. And I remember talking with someone who later on ended up becoming uh, a great friend and mentor, uh, Brandy Salazar, uh, you know, flipped a couple thousand houses through their, um, their fund back when they were, you know, flipping very heavily. And uh, she said, dude, you don't need money. Like you're a deal finder, like go out, find the deal. And if it's really a good deal, the money will find its way to the deal. Like you as the deal finder, hold all of the leverage if it's really a great deal. And so that led me to finding my first flip. I ended up basically funding it using hundred percent of other people's money. And I profited $106,000 off that first flip. I still remember it to this day. It was a little three bedroom, two bath house. It was literally a cat lady house. She had over a thousand stray cat. I'm sorry, a hundred stray cats in her house, Porter's house. She was well-known by the SPCA, well-known by the, you know, health and county code um, uh, enforcers in town and uh, bought that house, made that profit. And I was like, okay, um, I'm on to something here. I just need to figure out how to flip more houses. And so that led me to flipping a couple hundred houses, you know, over the next decade. But like you uh, and many others have taught me, it's like, it's great to build your vertical income up. But uh, dude, you got you to gotta find a way to start generating some mailbox money. So I started taking the profits from that and investing and starting to keep some of these single families and doing burrs and um, built up a real estate team. We were top you know, 1,000 real estate team two years back to back in Wall Street Journal. And as I got deeper into that, you know, that space, I partnered in a construction company. Uh, I tried a lot of different things and some of them were good. Uh, some of them were a wash. Some of them were, you know, not so good. And those were all little like breadcrumbs and stepping stones that I just kept following along this path of where I, again, continued to want to evolve and grow myself and my bank account, my lifestyle, my relationships and my vision. And those were all of the stepping stones that kind of kept moving me towards, okay, now I bought my first commercial strip center and then my second and then my third. And then, oh my gosh, I stumbled my way into a hotel. And what is this thing? And that was uh, literally on accident. Um, You know, it was somebody that had been listening to my podcast 
and um, someone in their church owned this little place up in Lake Tahoe. And they, um, you know, were not operating it properly. And I was like, I'm a great real estate investor now. Let me take this thing down. And uh, obviously that was a baptism and trial by fire of like, this ain't a passive income asset. Like you bought a hotel, it's a living, breathing organism. It's an operating business. It's 24, seven, 365. And so there've been so many of these learning lessons of just failing forward that have been an accumulation of now what looks like, like, oh, he's, you know, had some success, right? And I think success is relative based on who you are and where you're at and how you measure it. You know, I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to where I want to be based on the people I surround myself with and I aspire to be more like. But in the grand scheme of things, I am so grateful for, you know, every one of those learning lessons, every one of those failures and every one of those successes that has created uh, an amazing life for, you know, me and my family to do the things that really matter to us, to have an opportunity to make an impact in, you know, my employees' lives or other people that, you know, I get to uh, do life with or charities or missions or causes that I'm really passionate about, you know, supporting and being a part of. Um, But you know, it all started with uh, that one, you know, dude responding to his, you know, Craigslist ad. And who would have thought, you know, I'd be building a hotel with you. I started real estate in 2011, 2022, you know, who would have thought I would be here? I wouldn't have thought that. But uh, if you would have said, would you bet on yourself or bet on somebody else? I would have bet on myself all day long. And I think that's probably one of my secret weapons is I... I've never been the fastest. I've never been the smartest. I've never been the strongest. I've just been dumb enough to believe in myself every single day. When I wake up, I go, I'm betting on this dude. I'm betting on you. And I've been smart enough to just take action every single day. Even sometimes when I don't know what the right steps are, just be dumb enough to believe in yourself and smart enough to take action every day. And if you're aware enough along the way through that reflection and awareness process, you get a little bit better at, you know, putting more data points up on the board and connecting more dots and pictures become a little bit clearer to you on how you want to keep moving forward. And, uh, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. That's all I know how to do. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Look, Two of the most common questions I get asked are, where can I find good deals to invest into? And is it possible to invest alongside of our deals as a passive investor? So my team and I wanted to put together an insider list where you can get first access to investment opportunities, due diligence resources, and best practices for those interested in investing passively into deals like the ones we talk about on the show. Those deals are mostly in the commercial real estate space, but I oftentimes get exclusive access to deals of people like the guests on my show. If those deals pass our criteria, we pass them on to those on the list. To gain access to this insider list, all you have to do is go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. We also host events, dinners, and give away VIP access to events that I'm speaking at or attending. Once again, it's www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. For those that are serious about passive wealth building, we'll see you on the inside. Now, back to the show. You know, I remember when you were looking at that hotel and uh, I think you actually you know, said, hey, yeah, ran by me and I was looking at it and I was just like, oh, it's a little small. It's a lot of work, you know? And I was, yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know. But um, 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, but I wanted to, to, to peel back into that. And part of this is because I, I know you, but you've, you've built some really amazing, you know, call it, I wouldn't say, you know, side gigs or side businesses or deals or things that you have really put out there into this world that have created a lot of opportunity for you. You mentioned the podcast. You mentioned the 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 deal that came to you because of the podcast. Um, so you've also built out a lot of other things. So if you could kind of unpack like the other forms of of income or and maybe they're not all income, but the other streams of things that you've built out during that process and where you're kind of sitting now about like the podcast or the six figure flipper or the courses and things like that. Yeah. So you know, when I joined GoBundance, I don't know, GoBundance is, one, I didn't qualify for GoBundance when I joined it. Um, I was just fortunate enough to meet, you know, Pat, Tim, and David at a very early stage of GoBundance. And Tim became a mentor of mine and a friend of mine and, and just somebody that, uh, if you know Tim Road, he's one of the coolest human beings on the planet, most genuine and caring human beings on the planet. And um, I found him at a really critical part of my entrepreneurial journey. And I think I was like member number 13. I don't even know how many members we're up to now, close to 700 or something like that. And, um, you know, as I started getting around more people, you know, and seeing that there was kind of two types of wealthy or or successful individuals, you know, millionaires, however you want to label them. Um, There was the millionaire that was very financially successful and was an absolute killer, but they were bankrupt in their health bankrupt in their values, bankrupt in their relationships, bankrupt in their faith, just bankrupt. They just had a lot of money. And, and to me, I got deeper into that space of going like, that's cool, man, but that doesn't, that doesn't resonate with me and what I want to model after. And then I started getting around a lot more people that were millionaires in all areas of their life and every garden, just as badass in you know, their bank account as they were of how they treated their wife, how they parents with their kids, how they treated their employees, you know, what their values stood for. And, um, as I got into that world, I was like, man, like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm pretty privileged to be around these individuals and these people and how many people need to hear these conversations, how many people would benefit from having access to these types of individuals and relationships. Maybe they can't go and pay five or 10 grand to be at one of these events, but what if I could start interviewing these people? And so five years ago, that was the, you know, five and a half years ago, that was the inception of Millionaire Mindcast was just like, let me just interview these people and, you know, put this content out there. And so that obviously created a community and a platform. And then people were like, Hey dude, can you teach us how to flip? Right. Uh, You know, you, you're doing all these things. Like we want to know how to do that too. And that created, you know, the, I kind of look at like my, my, my tree trunk is, is real estate. Right. But then there's all of these little branches that started, you know, spawning off of real estate over time. Um, that created opportunities. And some of them have been, you know, very um, successful. Others have just kind of fizzled out. And, you know, I've also come to a place of being like, I'm not passionate about doing that anymore. Like, yeah, maybe it does make me money, but like, do I want to spend my time there? And the rich life planner and, you know, so many different things have come from this desire to just keep growing and, and achieving. And, it's kind of what gets me up, you know, every single day. But when you find like what your core tree trunk is, and then you have this ability to 
discern, like, again, going back to the core values of like what you really want, it makes it so much easier to say yes and no to things. And so, you know, the, the six figure flipper had, had brought in, you know, some income, but it was something that I didn't really feel like I wanted to spend a ton of time on moving forward. And I also was moving away from flipping. So I didn't feel very congruent, you know, teaching people how to flip on something that I wasn't doing anymore. Um, you know, I still do a couple flips a year, but uh, the, you know, the planner was awesome. The real estate income streams through single families and commercial real estate. And, you know, the hotel um, is great. I do, you know, kind of some high level CEO consulting, coaching, mentorship. That's something that I get a lot of um, enjoyment out of that brings in, you know, a, a very nice income. And it also brings in deal flow. Um, it brings in partnership opportunities. And, you know, I would expect that, there will continue to be new branches that come off of this tree trunk as I go further down that path. But, you know, uh, being a partner in a construction company, doing great things in terms of, you know, syndications and GP partnerships, you know, I've syndicated 150 unit apartment building that I'm a GP in, laundromats that I'm a GP in. I'm, you know, thankful that I get to be doing so many awesome things with you um, and some of the stuff that we're doing together. So, uh, it's been a fun journey and, and it's starting to kind of hit this. I don't want to say it's it's relative and subjective, but it's starting to hit like this hockey stick effect, like the first 10 years. And Gary V talks a lot about this of like, man, when you're in your 20s, try everything like you don't need to know who you are and, and what you want to do for the rest of your life. Like I was, you know, at 29, still selling alcohol and, and wine and, you know, walking out shipments and putting them in the trunk, you know, of my dad's liquor store in New Jersey. And, you know, look at Gary V today. Right. And so for me, it was just like testing and trying a lot of things and, and failing at a lot of stuff, having some successes along the way and, and seeing like what really lit me up, you know, and I remember, Jeff Hoffman, uh, founder of Priceline, you know, sold it billion dollar exit. And um, he's probably one of the best speakers and storytellers that I've ever been around. And he's taught me a lot. And um, he said something that really hit me about five years ago. Um, when someone asked him from stage was like, you know, you have all this money, like, what is your definition of success? Like, why are you doing what you do? And I have, you know, recited his definition of success over and over and over again. And it's my motto of, of success. I've adopted it. So shout out to Jeff and, and thank you for, you know, that gem that you shared with so many people, because it's not about how much money, you know, you have, it's not about what material possessions you accumulate, uh, awards that you've got on your wall and your shelf, you know, all that stuff is cool. Um, and don't get me wrong, it still does motivate and inspire me. Um, I'm not even going to lie about that, right? But my definition of success is by the time I, you know, get to my deathbed, I want to look back in the rearview mirror and, and the reel of my life playing back to me and say, damn, that was a hell of a fucking ride. Like that was one hell of a ride. The peaks, the valleys, everything in between. Like I played full out. I left it all on the court, blood, sweat, tears, you name it. And that was something that, you know, I adopted into kind of like why I do what I do and how I do what I do and what I want to do moving forward. And, um, you know, if it doesn't, you know, inspire me and fire me up, you know, and there's, uh, you know, money attached to it, like that's just not what motivates and drives me anymore. And so I'm really excited to see kind of where I'm at in my journey um, and to see kind of some of the foundational, you know, things 
really starting to materialize and compound. And, and really, you know, my twenties were like a five lane freeway. Um, and I feel like, you know, now I'm kind of getting down to my fast lane a little bit. And, uh, and that's an exciting place to be when you know, you've earned it too. And, and you put in the work to get there. Yeah. That's, um, one of the things you mentioned as far as, I mean, it, it's huge, it, you know, and, and even, you know, I'm, I'm older than you, but also see and, and aspire that coming to go bonus later, I was at, at the event, you know, with Jeff Hoffman and doing that and hearing him and, and, you know, been reading some of his stuff and it was just like, oh, it just blows my mind. But it was also seeing your action, seeing what you were doing was like, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like, I want to be like Maddie, you know, um, create, creating some of those pieces. And it was just really, it was ignorance on, on my part. I, I had no idea of some of these things, you know, it was like, I wrote a book, you know, and it was like, and it was because I was sitting at a table with Osborne and Hyben and, you know, a bunch of others. And then there, and it was like, somebody asked in the audience, like, who's written a book? And it was like at a table I was sitting at and like everyone almost except for me was, I was like, I was like, do I need to write a book? And they're like, yeah, you probably should. And I was just like, I should. Like, I was like, you just, you have no idea. And it's not until you get into that environment. So one of the things that I'd, I'd like to, to ask of you is like, I know GoBundance has been, you know, a huge kind of, uh, leverage up or getting around to those average of the, the five people. But what are other things that you've done? to help reprogram or rewire your mind? And has it just been something around those groups? Has there been books? Has there been, you know, the, the group or, or what is it that you've been, you've done during that, that journey in the process and then call it in your twenties or maybe now early thirties, have you done that has been kind of moved the needle in that direction for you? Yeah. I mean, I always try and put myself around people that are going to force me to level up, you know, that are going to inspire me. I'm a student of life. I'm always looking for my next teacher. And so that's, you know, mastermind events and, and, you know, podcasts and the books and things like that. You know, I've also been on some relatively deep spiritual retreats. I've done ayahuasca, I've done psychedelics. I've, you know, done things along those lines. Um, and those have been major kind of life reprogramming events in a, in a really great way. I know I don't recommend it for everyone. I know it's not aligned with everyone. And so, you know, that's just been a part of my journey. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always looking for at least one or two events that create a metamorphosis in my life every year. And so that could be, you know, uh, going and doing a physically challenging event. Like I've done 75 hard Andy Frisella's health program. And that last year was like a major transformational challenge for me that physically did a lot for my body, but mentally like hardened me up in a way that I needed to, you know, the year prior, it was like, man, I've done so much personal development. I'm just like feeling like I'm hitting a wall. Like what's next for me. So I did you know, ayahuasca ceremony. And I went and sat with shamans, like crazy stuff that I would have never thought I would do. So for me, it's just constantly looking for ways to, you know, sharpen the ax. And then more so it's not always about like one particular thing that changes the game for you. For me, it's more about like a rhythm and a habitual workflow of my life that I can find ways to get myself in these pockets of momentum that transform me in a good way. 
Um, cause it's, you know, when you hit good, you know, strides, it's easy to kind of get a little bit comfortable. And so I'm constantly trying to keep rhythms and, and find tools and resources that keep my awareness up that allow me to keep optimizing and tweaking along the way. Um, you know, there's a cool acronym that is called PTFA, uh, PTFAR. And it's, you know, your programming, your subconscious leads to your thoughts, your conscious, which based on how you think and what your thoughts produce, right, leads you to feel a certain way. And based on your feelings, you take specific actions or don't take specific actions. And then, you know, R is those actions get you certain results. And based on those results, it reaffirms your programming. And so I'm constantly kind of looking at that line and thread of sequencing and going, based on where I'm at and what I want for myself and kind of what my goals are and the physical world and mental space and spiritual space that I'm in, you know, what do I need to do? Like, is there bad programming that's holding me back? Is there certain things that I'm doing that I need to double down on and in, in, in compound? And I think that just consistently comes back to like rhythms and habits that keep my awareness up. I'm a very, um, I, I personally think EQ is way more powerful than IQ what either one unlocks. I think there can be an argument made for one being better than another, but based on me and what, um, I feel, you know, deep down inside myself, you know, my, my EQ is much more important and emphasized focus than me getting smarter and and learning, you know, particular things. Don't get me wrong. I'm always looking and reading and, you know, you and I, I think go back and forth every day on some new tool or strategy or resource or like tactical aspect. But for me, it's like, how do I continue to expand my EQ and expand the spiritual side of myself? Because I know when I do that and I have a bigger heart and I, you know, am more emotionally connected to people and empathetic and, you know, intentional about my relationships, like that for me, relationship wise is like, I don't need to know a hundred, you know, people on a surface level. Like if I know like five more deep relate, if I enhance like five deeper relationships every year, those five deep relationships do tenfold what those hundred people could unlock for me. And so, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, continue to play this crock pot versus microwave game and mindset. Like the microwave is great. It's quick. It produces little, you know, things that, um, you know, are digestible and great. But at the end of the day, like we all know the crock pot always produces a much better dish and outcome and result, but it takes time for those, you know, ingredients to fuse together. And so I look at, you know, what I'm doing and who I'm surrounding myself with and what ingredients I'm putting into my crock pot every year to produce a really great dish instead of, you know, trying to cut corners. And I'm just a long-term player. Like I uh, don't get me wrong. I'm impatient, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, compare myself to other people and I judge myself and I do all have all the same, you know, mental struggles and challenges that everyone else does. Um, but at the end of the day, when I, you know, work through kind of the, the schmutz, you know, in your own mind, I'm playing the long-term game. And so that's, that's where I, I just continue to like just little things every year you know, consistently over an extended period of time are, are going to show up in a big way. And, and I've seen that in, in many different gardens or pillars of my life. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned that as far as the routines, um, you know, or other people, you know, the, um, uh, or rhythm, you know, as far as routines or rhythms. And so, 
you know, what do you have as far as for some of those systems or morning or at dinner at night with their family, something, you know, that you do, you know, that is a system and you call it rhythms, but you know, what, what is it that you're doing or putting in place? And then, you know, maybe give an example of how you've changed one of those rhythms or, or routines in the past um, that has been, you know, cause really it's like, Habits um, or goals are great for, you know, aiming, but everyone defaults to the level of their systems. And I have been an exact example of that where I had this goal of being a millionaire before 30 and I achieved it. And then it was like I was done. And so I had no systems other than this very, you know, myopically laser focused element of money and in one direction. And once you hit it, like, well, then, then what? So uh, I've, I know you and you have those, like, what are those routines and what are you doing? Not just, you know, business, but, you know, in, in general. And then what is something that you've changed, uh, in those, those routines call it, you know, it could be a year ago, six months ago or, or whenever. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I'm just a big believer in, you know, again, like I can't remember what I had for breakfast three days ago, let alone like, you know, some of the things I did a month or, you know, uh, two months ago. And so I just try and really simplify like the, the rhythms and habits through a tracker. So I've got, you know, a little tracker and spreadsheet. You can probably see it up there on my, on my shelf, which is um, why I created the rich life planner, which was like, how do I create certain habits in our relationships, personal and professional I income and investments, C community and contribution and H health, mental, physical, and spiritual. And so I just kind of bucketed those up being like, Hey, this is my definite of, of rich. And how do I create intentional habits around these particular categories every single day? And those have evolved and changed for sure, based on, you know, my life and my goals and, you know, the season that I'm in and, but I track them every day. You know, I've, I've got them tracked every single day. And I'm a big believer of like staying in relationship and staying in proximity to the things that matter most. Like if I didn't mentally, physically, and spiritually connect with my wife every single day, and I made a goal at the beginning of the year to have the best, most thriving, most amazing marriage and relationship, but I didn't do any of those things and have habits and routines around those. And then I got to the end of the year and was like, Hey babe, how did I do? She'd be like, you suck. Right. Versus if I have very specific rhythms and habits that I am intimate and in proximity to every single day, which ultimately is just an awareness tool, right? That gives me the ability to make the next best choice that is aligned with creating the outcomes that I want. And so for me, I have my daily habit tracker that I track in, uh, in my planner and I have kind of like broken it down into what I call the sunrise six, which is basically just, you know, my morning routine um, of, you know, water, a power list over uh, a session over coffee, which is basically just writing out what I need to do. It's, you know, reading my audiobook um, or reading or doing an audiobook or a podcast. It's gratitude or what I call, you know, my, my five gratitude texts, which usually I'll send out a text or a video to uh, five people every single day. And then it's, um, you know, hundred pushups before I hit, before I hit the ground running. And, um, and that just kind of like sets my tone, but I would say even more important to me is my evening routine. And my evening routine is something that I don't hear or think, you know, a lot of people talk about. Um, and my evening routine is really what sets me up for the next day, because sometimes my mornings 
don't go according to plan, right? Of like, hey, my daughter woke up early and she's like, dad, can you make me breakfast? And I'm like, shit, I got to do X, Y, and Z. And my morning routine gets thrown off. And if I didn't have my evening routine, which sets my next day up planned out and done, my day is, I don't want to say it's a lost day, but it's a very chaotic and I'm playing catch up and I'm being more reactive. And my evening routine helps me be super proactive. And when those mornings happen like that, I still know how to recalibrate, get right back on track and fall right back into a good rhythm. So that's something that I really like to do. Um, the other thing that changed for me was I started asking myself this question of like, I know so many people work, you know, Monday through Friday to go and live on Saturday and Sunday. And I said, man, like, what if I could create a work-life balance that literally was seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so I do work seven days a week. I also play seven days a week. I also spend time with my kids and my wife and my family seven days a week. I also work out seven days a week. I also connect with friends and family and do the things that, you know, help fill my cup from a relationship perspective, seven days a week. So I started like, you know, and it's a, it's a constant work in progress. Again, I always go back to like, I'm a big believer in, in chapters or like seasons of your life or like 90 day sprints or whatever you want to, you know, break that down to in terms of how it works for you. But it was something that um, I started going, how could I like build my calendar and, and, and allocate my time um, with these workflow rhythms um, or really just lifestyle rhythms on a daily basis that I can check all of the boxes and that way it's not like, oh man, I finally get to relax today and, you know, have a lazy Saturday and Sunday. Like, I don't know what that is. I'll be just completely honest. I don't know what that is. It doesn't really inspire me. It doesn't like, do I like to Netflix and chill? Yeah, for sure. And I might do that on a Monday or a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, but I'm also grinding my ass off every single one of those days too. And so um, it's of course, right. Like plug and play you know, test it, tweak it, optimize it, figure out what works for you. But um, I started playing around with this idea of like, I don't have a, a Monday through Friday and a, then a weekend. I have one all-inclusive lifestyle that works and flows and is in symbiosis together. And um, that's been a really fun and cool concept to play with. And of course, right, there's been, you know, days and seasons and weeks that it's been totally messed up and, and not worked. And other days where I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is my perfect lifestyle and how I'm living and dreaming. And it's all a reality for myself, but I think that's life, right? And so it just comes back to that awareness piece of like, baking in rhythms and boundaries. And I'm a framework guy. Cause if I don't have frameworks, you know, just the analogy of a bowling alley, like those frameworks are my bumpers. So I'm not bowling gutter balls. And even the days that I'm not bowling strikes and spares, at least I'm not, you know, bowling zeros. And so I like frameworks. I like rhythms. I like habits because for someone like me, it keeps me, you know, moving in the right direction instead of, you know, the opposite. <laughs> I wanted to, I, I, you almost went, went where I was actually hoping that you would, your, your evening routine, you do one of the things that, you know, you, I don't know where you picked it up. Maybe you created it or you poached it for somebody else, but what, what is the thing that you do when at the dinner table with your kids and your wife? Um, because I, I think this is one of the most powerful things that I've heard from you and from anybody is, is the way that you create, um, our relationship recharge. Yeah. Yeah three questions, super simple questions every single day. And really it was kind of, um, 
you know, you and I both do family board meetings with our kids and, you know, things like that. And um, it was inspired, honestly, by Jim Shields and, you know, his framework of like, I do this once a quarter with my kids and I ask these questions and this is ultimately what the result is. And I was like, man, like, why can't I do that with my wife? Why can't I do that with my kids? And we don't have to go on a trip every day, but it, it, it creates a space you know, an arena for us to have this open, dynamic, thought-provoking conversation that deepens our connection and recalibrates our relationships. And so um, with my wife and my kids, we do it on every every Sunday, you know, and it is um, our relationship recharge. And it's just three questions. You know, what did I do well this week? What could I have done better? And what do you have coming up this week that I can support you in? And it's amazing because it's not me assuming, you know, where I crushed it with my wife this week or where I, you know, didn't screw up or what she needs from me. It's her actually out of her own mouth, communicating those things to me. And I can do the same and communicating those things to her. And it's this amazing thing that really creates a level of understanding and connection. Cause let's be honest. I mean, when you got young kids and you're, you know, building a business and you know, you're grinding your butt off and you're doing all these, you know, things. Sometimes it's like, you know, we're going in many different directions. One day it might feel like two ships passing in the night, but that always creates a dynamic, a rhythm, a framework, a habit for us to recalibrate, reconnect, recharge. Um, and so that's been massive for our relationship. And then I was like, well, why, why can't I do this with my kids? So it was, you know, what did daddy do well this week that you enjoyed doing with me? What did daddy do this week that you didn't enjoy or that hurt your feelings? Or the last one is, you know, what are you excited about this, this week that uh, we can do together that I can help you with? And it's awesome. I mean, it's those, those I'm a big believer in the power of questions. You know, you, you ask powerful questions, you're going to get powerful answers. What you decide to do with those things is completely up to you. But most people don't even ask one themselves questions of what's important to them, what they want. And, and ultimately like all of those things do is they just create clarity. And when you got a lot of stuff going on, especially in the world that we live in, which is very noisy, very distracting, the more clear you can be, the more purposeful you can be and the better outcomes that you desire you can get. And, um, and again, just another little framework that, you know, those three little questions once a week is, uh, is a great way that keeps us all, you know, working and moving together, trying to achieve the goals that, you know, we want for ourselves. And that's, I mean, for, for the people, I mean, you may, may want to rewind that and, and listen to that again. Cause I think that is such a huge and critical thing that, and so why part of the reason I was so excited to have Matt on the podcast was exactly that, you know, catching knives. We talk about some contrary investing approaches. We talk about, you know, alternative investments, but I go that key point that he just made right there was one of the things that I think that people don't understand is when you are in alignment and when you are recalibrating onto the most important relationships in your life, it actually gives you the freedom to be more expansive and explore things in an investing environment. For me, you know, similar to Matt is, is that like my, my wife is my, the axis of my world. And then which everything spends off of like, so when, you know, things are good with my wife and my family, literally everything else kind of falls in place. And it can, you know, cause let's be honest, you know, multiple projects and multiple things going on and you know, different employees guaranteed there's something going wrong at all times. And 
Well, what I found is, is, is exactly is like when that's not working with my wife, all those problems are 10 times more problematic because things are not good with my wife. I can deal with them when I'm in good vibe and relationship with my wife and connected. And that's what Matt just put there. So, I mean, we didn't necessarily get into anything earth shattering or contouring approach from an investment standpoint, but I believe we actually put, a, or he talked about one of the first order principles to allow you the space to allow expansive, you know, and growth in your environment is connecting with those that are, are truly, truly important for you. So I know that we, we don't have a lot more time left on the podcast. And so maybe if we take something from that relationship or the go abundance, you know, and contrarying, and, and maybe it is like, what, what do you see? What is the next three years, five years, the vision for what you have as an individual or an investor that you're really excited about right now and that you think that other people should be paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting, if we're just talking in terms of investing, going to be a very interesting in investing climate and environment. You know, I've been saying this for two years since the whole pandemic went down and, you know, helicopter money started flying all around and there was going to be a point in time where the dust was going to settle, things were going to start to get anchored down. And as the rules of the game that we once knew wealth building or investing or just economics to be, they were going to get rewritten. And I think we can all see that that has happened, um, you know, over the last couple of years. And so I think we're starting to see some of the dust settle and there is going to be an interest rate rising climate, you know, we're in high inflation, you know, we're, we're seeing war or, or different, you know, things kind of transpire in not only the US economy, but the global economy, what's going on in China, um, and kind of how they're jockeying to overtake us as the world power, how you're seeing Russia and this whole Ukraine thing play out. And so I just think it's going to be, there's going to be some turbulence. And, you know, people have had the luxuries and kind of all these safety nets and all of these things that have really prevented them from having to really experience any true, like real hard pain. And, you know, I think that's going to create some opportunity for people that are playing the board game intelligently. And so, you know, right now it's going to, I think if you own, you know, real estate, this is an opportunity for you to level up as an operator and operate your assets and, and manage and, and watch, you know, your assets like you never have before. Because I think obviously, you know, paper assets are one thing, being in hard assets with the climate that we're in and where I think we're going you know, um, those individuals are going to do well, but at the same time as the dust settles, I think we're going to start to see some more opportunistic buys start to trickle out into the market. Obviously you and I are very focused on, you know, hospitality, um, you know, multifamily, I think is going to continue to do good, but I think, you know, with the amount of equity that's been flying around in the market, um, and seeing what people are paying and, and what they're buying and who's buying those things, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people who didn't have any business, you know, syndicating deals, buying certain assets, and it was just easy. And, and it was upper, you know, opportunity that they were looking to take advantage of. But I think at the same time, those people are going to um, really be tested and tried during these times. And that is going to, you know, that's going to create some hardship for some people. And 
I always, you know, am one of those individuals. I've never liked seeing somebody go through challenging or tough times, but at the end of the day, somebody's going to take advantage of that. And uh, I look at it as saying, you know, when, when my price um, or our offer meets their motivation and what they're going through, we can find a way to create a win-win that works for everybody. And I think there's going to be some exciting win-win opportunities out there that I'm looking forward to taking advantage of with you, Jake, you know, with other investors. And I think that this is going to be a, an interesting, you know, decade for uh, people to really grow their net worth and their wealth in the process. A lot of, a lot of sage advice there. As we're kind of wrapping this up, just a couple quick rapid fire questions as far as because I know people like having kind of action items or takeaways. Um, what are some key books or podcasts other than your own? I, I think that everybody should go listen to your your podcast. I've actually been a guest on there. I don't know what episode, but you should probably listen to that one. It's probably amazing. But other you know books, what are some books that you have made big impact on your life? Well, I'm looking at, I got catching knives over my shoulder. That's actually, that's the, the best book. Wealth Can't Wait is always a great one from our friend, David Osborne. You know, Traction and Rocket Fuel, I think for any business owner that are really looking for a good framework and structure to operate, you know, operating system for your business is, um, is a wonderful one. You know, Centralism was a good one from a time management perspective by Greg McCown. Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, I went from like reading 50 books, you know, a year to the last two years, I think I've read five books. I've read five books and it, it, to me, it got to a place where it was less about consumption. It was more about creation. Um, and I find that when I'm consuming too much, my creativity is actually stifled. And so I've done, again, a lot of reading I've read. I mean, you go and look in my house and my office, I've got a very massive library of books. But uh, yeah, I haven't been reading too many books. I did enjoy um, The Psychology of Money by um, Morgan Housel this, this last year. I thought it was a really great book that was interesting in terms of how people think, engage, interact, act, or don't um, with or around their money. So that was great. The new Tony Robbins book, I am reading that one right now about life hacking and some really cool stuff around health and things on that front. But for me, Podcast wise, really two that I listen to, um, you know, love the Ed Milet podcast. I love the Andy Frisella podcast. I think those guys always put out some great stuff, but the last two, you know, years I've been really on the all in podcast and uh, we study billionaires um, and kind of, you know, digging more into the, you know, economics and financial side of things instead of more the mindset and personal development side of stuff. That's awesome. Is there any place that people should come find you? Where should they come find you? Consume your content, listen to your podcast. You know, how can somebody bring a deal to you? And what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, you can text the word deals to 844-447-1555. That's always a great way to, if you're a credit investor, get on my, you know, my list. Uh, it's how we've, you know, raised some great money for uh, Artista and, you know, putting out deals. Uh, it's also how you can get a hold of me if you want to, you know, discuss partnership or uh, presenting a deal. On Instagram, of course, you know, official Matty A is my handle. It's where I put out most of my content. I've got a YouTube channel, um, my website, mattachison.com, and, you know, putting out three episodes a week on Millionaire Mindcast for, you know, the last five and a half years. So that's always, you know, probably one of the best ways to hear what I'm up to, hear what I'm interested in, you know, interviewing people, putting out, um, you know, analysis of the financial and real estate markets and, um, you know, a little bit of motivational content as well. That's awesome, Maddie. 
I appreciate you. Um, as always, I look forward to when we get a chance to connect up again soon. I don't know, probably be in 10 minutes or something. I was like that. Say. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate your time and really getting a chance to, to dive in a little bit deeper and hear some of your stories and, and especially some of those defining moments that have helped put that foundational next level into, you know, your life. So appreciate you and thank you. And, uh, you know, for those out there that are looking to invest, you know, sometimes it means uh, doing the contrarian thing and catching those knives. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.realestate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.